it's just kind of funny for us to look at each other after whatever it's like five months in and you're just like dude i don't even know what we could come up with at this point like it's like it's not that you're not enough it's just like dude i've eaten chocolate ice cream every way i can think of eating chocolate ice cream and i really want vanilla Welcome back to Drinks First, the podcast in which you can meet New York City's kinda eligible. I'm your host, Ariana Nathani. Stay tuned till the end of the episode if you're interested in matching with our guest. I'm super excited for this episode because we're going to be talking about things that I don't have that much experience with and I think is incredibly important to shed a light on especially beyond my own experiences, which, like I said, are very limited. So very happy to have my guest on today and that he agreed to do this. And I would love for you to introduce yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm from Indiana. I'm 30 and I live in Harlem. And what do you do now for work? Uh, I work in the finance industry. And how long have you been in New York? Like what brought you here? So I originally moved to New York uh, just after college uh, with the goal of becoming a chef in the city. I wanted to work in fine dining. Um, I did that for a number of years and actually moved back to Indiana. But in total, I've lived in New York now uh, six years. And wait, so did you go to culinary school or what kind of got you into fine dining? Um. It was something, it was a real passion of mine in, in high school and growing up, food was a really big part of our family um, and just like how we connected. And when I was in college, I actually had a lot more positive experiences at some of the restaurants I was working at, like just to make money on the side and like a lot more connection, a lot more like richness in a way. Uh, so I moved out to New York like in like four days after I graduated to move in with my high school girlfriend and start going door to door, handing out resumes. It was, it was very silly. I was like in a full suit trying to get a job as like a cook on restaurant row. <laughs> but you succeeded somehow, right? I did. I was uh, fortunate enough. I met some people who, you know, took a chance on some random kid from Indiana and I got to work at a couple of different Michelin star restaurants in the city. Which is amazing. And I think it's a good segue to a question I ask a lot, every single person who comes on my podcast, which is where do you like to eat and where do you like to go out? Ooh, good questions. My favorite places to eat are like the most casual in the city, like a good taco truck or like a good halal cart somewhere. Uh, particularly if I'm going out, it's like still like height of luxury in my book. I really like to go out some of the nicer bars on the Lower East Side. You know, Amori Amargo is a classic or a favorite of mine. Um, yeah, there's a lot just within like a three block radius down there. Do you have any like specific names beyond Amori and Margo, which is also a great bar. They have one in Williamsburg, I believe as well. Yeah. So some favorites, like, you know, there are classics like Please Don't Tell. I think Angel Share in Little Tokyo is a great bar. Uh, Yakitori Taisho is still like not a cocktail bar, but if you want to get like a grilled chicken skin in the Sapporo, that's like my favorite spot in the city. And then Bar Decibel is another one in that area that I'm a big fan of. Great recommendations. <laughs> Truly. Um, and where do you like to go out? So I live in Harlem and a good friend of mine owns a restaurant at 106th in Amsterdam called Nobody Told Me. I'm a big fan of his work. We used to work in restaurants together. Um, and there's actually some stuff uptown that I really like. 
So Sugar Monk, Honeywell, and ROKC are all north of 120th and like shake good cocktails and have pretty good food. So going out near home is always a plus. Are you a fan of just like going to get drinks and that kind of scene? Do you like to go out and dance or what's your ideal night out? Mm, Usually if I'm going to a show uh, or like somewhere specifically to dance, often like other people are suggesting it. I usually am like the one that knows like partially because of my restaurant experience. Like if we're going to go get food, if we're going to go get a drink, like, yeah, those are those are go to's for me. Not that I don't like to dance, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, those are really great recommendations. I'm very picky, so that's high praise from me. Um, But you had your professional chef experience. What brought you back to finance? You know, I worked a ton in the kitchen. I made very little money. Like I had very little time for friends and family. So And candidly, I helped open up a couple of restaurants in the city and getting to see kind of the more investment side was really interesting. And given I had studied economics in undergrad, it seemed like a way that I could transition out of what was a pretty difficult situation for me at the time. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it was the grown-up decision to make in a way. Do you enjoy it? (laughs) Yeah, I enjoy a lot of aspects. I enjoy a lot of parts of it. I don't know. I don't really want to talk about work. <laughs> That's valid. I mean, we're not here to talk about work. Mm-hmm. You you mentioned that you moved to New York with your high school girlfriend, your college girlfriend. Yeah. So I have I have moved to New York on two separate occasions to move in with partners. Okay. Two different partners. Okay. What was the first time? <laughs> the first time was with my high school girlfriend. I want to hear a little more about that experience. How does one decide to... Well, with, were you were you with your high school girlfriend all through college? Like, lots of questions. Oh man, this is this is such a it's a, such a trajectory. Okay, so yeah, we had been together for like three years in high school. Broke up when I went to college initially. I was a couple of years older. Got back together like halfway through my sophomore year after and like. She was in school in New York. I was in school in Indiana and like ended up getting back together and I graduated a year early. So there were like 18 months where we dated long distance, which was a bad decision. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm not, no shade at anybody, but it's like almost always a bad decision or it's very hard. It's very hard. Um, but then moved in after that and lived together for like three months before like breaking up. And then I had to find a spot in the city. Interesting. And what was the second time? Uh, The second time was with my partner with whom I still live or currently live. We've been together three years. We met in Indiana um, and have had a non-monogamous polyamorous relationship since we first started dating. Um, And about nine months after we met, I was really looking to move back to New York uh, in the, you know, sunny times of March 2020. And so packed up a U-Haul and moved back like the week before quarantine started. So I think that's a great segue because this is a podcast for quote unquote single people. Uh huh. And as people just heard, you have a partner who you live with. Yeah. But you just describe your relationship as non-monogamous and polyamorous. So I would love for you to define those terms for the people who are listening. Yeah. Um, So I guess the way I think about it, right, like non-monogamy being ethical non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy, you know, would be uh, very communicatively and openly um, having like 
sexual relationships with others and polyamorous being uh, opposed to like monoamory, which would be also engaging in romantic relationships with others, again, both very communicatively and explicitly. Okay, so you would you would define the difference, like eth- ethical non-monogamy is more physically oriented, whereas polyamory is more about the romantic aspect of it. Yeah, that's like a line of demarcation, at least. And this is a, a big thing within like the poly community, like lots of people do it differently. There's really no same thing with non-monogamy. You know, it's, it's very much like to answer your question. Yeah. I think there's a line there, but also I think it's important to note that like, it's the same in our relationship. We want to define what those rules are and we Mm -hmm. want to define what cheating is and we want to define what another relationship looks like or can exist as. So uh, it's hard to say for what everyone, but that's how I view it. And if you feel comfortable how would you define your sexuality, which is totally different from a relationship structure? Yeah, absolutely. So I would consider myself pansexual. Then I would define that as like, I find romantic and sexual attraction across uh, the gender continuum and have maintained those relationships with people across the gender continuum. Not that maintaining or having a relationship in a space is required to be that, but yeah, that's how what I would consider myself. So at what point like, did you kind of discover these ways of being in relationships? And like, was it something you knew always? Was it something that you found out later in life that you were interested in? Because I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this and have no idea how to kind of delineate whether or not what they're feeling might be something skewing towards okay, maybe I am ethically non-monogamous or maybe I am potentially polyamorous or pansexual. Like they're all very different things. How did you kind of find yourself or discover yourself in uh, this kind of life? Yeah, um, (laughs) it's a really big question. I, you know, I appreciate you asking. Um, I guess with hindsight, I would say it's more that I over time discovered who I was um or discovered um really what worked for me in regards to like a style of relationship so who i was sexually who i was romantically and you know really understanding what i wanted from a relationship that is to say like i think i was this is always who i was if that's the correct grammar <laughs> this is always who i was but you know i think experiences in life that i've had have certainly nudged me towards or illuminated that you know this was something that could work for me or that I potentially wanted to explore and you know the process of getting here from there uh is you know a lot of exploration introspection like communication I've certainly learned a lot about myself and the relationships I want through you know the the loved ones in my life the relationships that I've had whether those are successes or mistakes within them I want to hear like a bit more specifically about your kind of journey and how maybe defining experiences that you've had that have helped you kind of get to where you are now. Do you feel like there is one or multiple? Yeah, there are definitely several. Um, And I don't know, I, I feel comfortable being pretty open in this setting, given the anonymity, which just a heads up, I don't know, some of it is potentially like upsetting. But uh, yeah, so like all of my first sexual experiences were with men or a man, um, 
which were consensual up into a point, which I think happens a lot in kind of age despair, like age disparity, younger relationships. And sort of through that as well, like I was exposed to sexuality when I was very young, like eight or nine um, and pornography at the same time and things like that. So I like became aware of these things like very early on um, and also like growing up in kind of a smaller town, conservative background, I guess, like having had those first experiences be with a man, like made it even harder to talk to people about. Like I didn't even know who to go to, to like process what I was like experiencing with. I just knew it was like kind of bad and like that wasn't okay. Um, So like that was a very like over time, like coming to terms with that and coming to grips with that, especially in exploring my own homosexuality has definitely, that was a pinnacle experience and kind of learning to understand and reconcile that was also a pinnacle experience. I think I've been very fortunate to have close loving relationships. You know, my first sexual experiences with women were very positive, you know, long-term relationship, like very supportive. And so I, I think I had the benefit of that. And over time, you know, I always found myself in monogamous heterosexual relationships and I'm like pretty naturally a flirt and having like also knowing that like I was attracted to men, but not having the vocabulary and the self-awareness to talk about it. There was often that conflict of like, I didn't see the problem of me talking to other people or getting to know other people. And also there was like a whole side of my sexuality that was very much denied. And so that kind of fed into the like, why are you so flirty with people? And it's like, well, I might have some needs that aren't being met in our current structure. I have kind of a rambling answer now, but like realization of my own sexuality and over time, I think realization of, I guess you're you're asking a, an individual moment. I don't know if I can say one, but realizing that like everyone I have ever loved in a way I still do, I have never viewed love as a zero sum game. It has always felt very potentially multiplicative, like more love isn't just one plus one, but can be, you know, more than that. The inverse is is also true for subtraction and division when it doesn't work out. But yeah, I, I think just when I look at my relationships and the conflicts that we had over time, when I look back at that now, it's really clear in some ways what I was looking for or hoping to move into, mm. but finding the right partner or partners and, and group of people that supported me in that played a huge role as well. I don't know if those are appropriate milestones, but... Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be one experience that changed your life. And I think it's, there's a lot of like very interesting things that you touched on and that I want to talk about as, as comfortable as you are feeling talking about these things. It's interesting that your, your first uh, sexual relationships were with men and then living in this small town, small conservative town, did you feel like you were push towards heteronormativity off the bat and then just like didn't know how to reconcile those those kind of past experiences or was it something that you put you said that you potentially like you always knew that you had traction to men and it's also at what point there's a lot of questions at what point like did you maybe think okay am I Am I queer? Am I gay? Am I bi? How did you land on being pan? Yeah. Okay. So I was 100% pushed into like heteronormative structures. So like I danced ballet for a number of years as a kid and like 
I remember very vividly. Like, I didn't really know what gay meant, but I knew it was bad. And I know I got called it a lot as like a 10 year old. You know what I'm saying? So like that, it was very clear to me that like men liking men was not supposed to happen and like was not good when it happened. Fortunately, I suppose in a way, like I'm also very attracted to women. Um, And those are the only two options in the part of the world that, you know, I came from. And so it kind of worked out, but there was, there was certainly a tension. And I knew like as well, like a lot of, you know, I occasionally like saw porn with like other young like whatever like other teenagers you're like at your friend's house and i always remember like people would constantly be talking about like yo this girl or like same thing at school like yo this girl and i just remember being like yes what about that dick going on here like i you know no one else in that group was like yo but he's fine like Mm -hmm. um so it's something that like i knew but like i didn't know how to reconcile i didn't know how to express i didn't feel like i had a safe space to do it at at what point did you feel like you had a safe space. Yeah. So when I moved to New York when I was 21, uh, I like, oddly enough, I love like dating apps, just like being able to interact with dating apps or like also just going out to bars, like being able to interact with people more anonymously and having the opportunity to like engage in something but not have to necessarily commit to mm-hmm. was really helpful. Like even just being able to date, like just going on a date with a dude. I remember when I first did that, it was like, oh my God, like, oh I did the I did the thing like we sat and had drinks wow like you know (laughs) I was so excited um because it it, yeah it felt like opening up an entire I mean entire universe within myself that like had just been closed it was always there but like I myself I had let other people put these walls around it um and I guess in a way like that's how I feel about non-monogamy polyamorous in general like when you you're given what we call or like what I like to call like the relationship escalator, like you want a first drink with someone, you don't text them for two days, then you hit them up on the third day, and then like you have a couple more dates, and then you know you exchange certain information, and then you move in together, and then you get married, and you get a dog, and then you have kid. Like you just get put on that immediately when you, you like pop out the womb, and they throw you like this is how you fall in love with someone, and I just like radically reject that that that's the only way that you can interact in like a romantic sense with somebody. I love that. The relationship escalator. I mean, to some degree, very true. And I think that's why I feel like now more than ever, people are more open to discussing and rejecting relationship norms uh, and things like I see, you know, the tag ethical non-monogamy like ENM. I see it on every dating app like if you're on bumble or you're on hinge like i see it everywhere and i think two years ago that wasn't the case it was considered something that was a bit more taboo um and maybe existed more in queer communities or in more like kink friendly communities and that's not necessarily the case the connotation isn't necessarily that it has to just be in those communities so when you were 21 and you went on your first date with a guy and this entire universe was kind of opened up to you. I think something that you said also stuck with me, which is like you came to New York and you were allowed to kind of date anonymously. You weren't kind of tied to the strings of like your community and your, the expectations that that held. Nobody knew who you were and you could just kind of be whoever you wanted. Like that's the beauty of somebody moving to New York or really moving anywhere I don't remember the last time I saw you. I think it must have been last summer, but 
like I moved to Barcelona for a few months mm. and just like lived an amazing anonymous life away from yeah. my New York craziness where I know a million people and pe- I can't walk down the street without like bumping into someone I know. And that was like a really beautiful experience for me because I was able to detach from all of the expectations that have been kind of, you know, put on me in the past. And I think it's a really freeing experience for people to have to be in an environment that they are not tied to any previous kind of strings of themselves. And it helps you kind of discover maybe what works for you or what doesn't beyond what you already know. It's starting with a blank sheet in a way. Absolutely. So I want to know at what point did like ethical non-monogamy kind of enter your vocabulary and did you realize it was something that you were interested in? Because it sounds like when you came to New York, you were still maybe dating in a monogamous manner. Yeah, I definitely was. I mean, it probably didn't, I didn't really start learning about, there's a kind of a rich body of literature um, around, I guess I would say like very more unique relationship styles, rather non-monogamous, polyamorous, um, I really started reading about that in like 2018. Yeah, again, some, you know, just I, at the time I was, I was with a, someone, I was monogamous, heterosexual relationship. We had been together for a number of years. We're living together. We're planning on like getting married and having kids and moving to Spain. And like the whole thing was planned out, which would have been a wonderful life. And she's a terrific human being. But like, you know, after a while, you've had like the same conflicts enough with multiple people where it's like, what, like, why does this keep coming? Like, I need to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. I need to like read something about this. Like I'm seeing a pattern that I don't recognize. I don't understand. And so that's like a lot of people. My first intro to like this language was through a book called The Ethical Slut, which candidly now having lived this life for like the last three or four years, like is tremendously out of date. And a lot of it like does not relate to anyone our age. Like, so like, it's a, it's a good book. Like read the first three chapters. There's some other good ones. Like polysecure is good and more like polyamorous focused versus non-monogamy focused. But yeah, I started reading that and brought it up to my partner as like, Hey, like I am definitely at least by like, <laughs> at least I was like, I'm definitely into dude, like into men. And like, I think this is a relationship structure that like could relieve a lot of these things that, that we're struggling with. Um, and like, that wasn't very well received. And that in a lot of ways is when I started to realize like, in a certain extent, like you date the same people, you make the same decisions, you'll get the same result. And so really kind of started stepping out of my comfort zone on who I would spend time with. And in a lot of ways, like how honest I would be about what I wanted. I feel like you asked me a question earlier, I haven't answered, which was like, when I just like, started referring to myself as like bi or pan, or like how I chose the word, which my understanding, and like this is, you know, I'm not an expert on 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 everything, but like I chose pan over bi. Like bi works to me. Pan is more trans inclusive, which like respects some of my partners. That I I don't know. There are different words. Like that's the one I've kind of settled on. So I would agree. I also think that a lot of people who are bi are probably pan, but just because they don't realize that. Yeah, there's the word is kind of trans exclusive in a way. I don't think meaningly so, but what were some issues that you were having, like recurring issues that you were having in your relationships that made you think, okay, well, this is kind of not working for me. I'm kind of 
feeling like I'm missing something. I think a good reframing, at least from my perspective, is not so much that I was missing something, but that in a way, I think it's a little, it's kind of insane that we expect one person to be everything for us. And candidly, like I'm the type of person, like, I don't know, I, I value solitude in a lot of ways, but also like, you know, if I spend too much time around someone, it's not that I dislike them. I just want them to get the fuck away from me. Like, it, it like, I, you know, love my partner with whom I live and we spend a tremendous amount of time together and it, it's absolutely wonderful. And sometimes I hide in the back room and turn off the lights, you know, that's just who I am. So like, I don't know, knowing that <laughs> maybe that doesn't relate, but like the one thing I, it was a frustration of like wanting to meet other people, like not even necessarily from a sexual sense, but like my world and I think this is how we teach like cis hetero men in the US but like my entire world was revolved around like this one person and all of my friendships and like relationships otherwise often got funneled through them because I was expected to be working all the time and like oh if I wanted to do something social it was on that and like my entire world was this one person and like that's a friction that I've often felt I mentioned like being a flirt wanting to like go out and interact like not wanting to have to necessarily like stop something good that's happening, like a really unique, true connection with someone just to be like, I'm sorry, I promised my dick would only touch one person's genitals. Like, I, I don't know. Like I had an experience when I was like 19 and I was at a club in France and I like met someone and we had this like amazing night, like dancing on a roof, drinking wine. And I, she was like, so like, we're clearly going to my place. Right. And I was like, I'm actually dating someone at the moment. And she was like, dude, then what the fuck? It, like, then what the fuck are we doing? Mm -hmm. Like, why have you been dancing with me for three hours? And like, it's definitely something I wanted. And I remember at the time feeling like this is such a weird, arbitrary line I've drawn. I've already here, like I'm having an emotional connection with this person. So like just drawing a line at sex, like I'm technically already cheating, right? I mean, I, I think that's a really good question. It's like what for anybody, right? Like what is cheating? And that can be defined by so many different things. It could be emotionally, it could be physically. You could have sex with someone and never kiss. Is that cheating? You know, I, there's very gray area there. And I think it's, it's very dependent on like the people in the relationship to kind of decide what is cheating and what's not. But yeah, I'm sure whoever your partner was at the time probably wasn't thrilled to be like, oh, you had this like amazing connection with this person in France and you wanted to do something but you didn't yeah this is actually kind of funny but two partners of mine currently they're a couple like recently got picked up at a bar by some guys and they took them back to their apartment and like got mostly naked only then to be like you know what actually we both have girlfriends and we can't do this and the people I were dating were like dude, your, your dick is fucking out. Like the game is over. Like you went and picked someone up at a bar. Yeah. You're, like you started cheating two hours ago. And like, I don't know, we're just baffled by like, because at least from my perspective, if you're in a monoamorous relationship and you're, you know, you're in love with one person and you go and start having like a romantic connection with someone else, you have broken that rule. I don't know. Like that's something that gets me. Let's take a moment and think about the things you love. It could be stuff like vintage vinyl, stylish sunglasses, or your exotic fish collection. Whatever your passion is, the new Multiply the Cash Scratchers from DC Lottery gives you a chance to multiply your cash by 5, 10, 25, or even 100 times. And enjoy a lot more of the stuff that makes you, you. Multiply the Cash Scratchers from DC Lottery. If you love it, multiply it. Please play responsibly. 
That truly is very interesting because I'm sure that people who are listening to this who've been in relationships have had connections with other people and have probably shut them down because they don't think it's, you know, the correct thing to do. No, I was going to say, like, honestly, I feel like every, I don't know, like, I don't know why we deny ourselves the, this is just what it is. In my opinion, like, this is just what it is to be human. Like, I can't take my feelings of affection and love and like cut them up, put them in a single box, put that box on the shelf and only open it when that person is around. I don't know. Like I can't speak for anyone else, but like my heart just does not work like that. Did you feel like your ethical non-monogamy came before you understanding or realizing that you were polyamorous or were they kind of, did they coincide? I think it coincided. I mean, I, I do remember some specific times where like I was dating someone and I would meet up with a prior partner or whatever. Hey, let's get a coffee. You know, it's been a while. And there's, you know, missing someone, seeing someone, you're like, oh, wow, I'm really happy to see you. And you get kind of that, like, oh, I remember how fun it was when we used to. But like, I would see people and fall, like, I would, like, it would hit me like a train that, like, I was still very much in love with this person. And that, like, yeah, so I, in a way, I guess I would have, the polyamorous part came first for me in that, like, I kept those relationships, I maintained those relationships, and I stayed close with people, sort of knowing that like that feeling hadn't gone away for me. So at what point did you start like practicing polyamory? Uh, in 2019, when I met my current partner. And how exactly did that happen? And how did that conversation go? And did you go into the relationship knowing maybe you were both polyamorous? Also, side another side question, is it possible to be be polyamorous but be in a relationship with just one person who's maybe what what you describe mono amory i don't know if that's the right word it just kind of yeah that's the one i use but sure yeah i think you can be poly and be in a monogamous relationship like that in my opinion like yeah those things aren't mutually exclusive like it doesn't require you to have sex with multiple people to be in love with multiple people so with your relationship then how did how did it come about so uh, my partner was on a business trip to Indiana, and we actually met in a in a deli. We have a, a very cute meeting story of like seeing each other from across the deli, and like, ooh, they're cute, ooh, they're cute. <gasps> they looked at me, oh, and ended up like striking up a conversation. Uh, went to dinner, very quickly fell head over heels for each other. weren't living in the same place; they were living here in New York, and so really that first night. Um, talked about like we had both recently exited mostly monogamous relationships and heterosexual relationships and we're both just really upfront of like this is the type of relationship I'm looking to explore I don't have a lot of experience in it but I'm willing to learn and um, I think had the benefit of both entering that relationship with that intention from the start but also doing it with someone who was also learning at the same time so it was just happenstance that you like met this person in a deli in Indiana and they also had had a life in New York mm -hmm. and you were both on the same exact page on what kind of relationship structure you were interested in. Yeah. And they had even packed uh, emergency lingerie for their trip. So like we were just, we were, we were vibing cosmically. <laughs> it's very, very lucky and like very serendipitous. It's incredibly serendipitous. That was exactly the word I was thinking. <laughs> From that moment of meeting, were you guys just like, okay, let's try this out? Or did you date? Did you get to know them? Um, and then, you know, fall into 
a relationship. Yeah, we exchanged I love you's like two hours after meeting each other. You're kidding. I am not joking. <laughs> I, dude, I fucking knew. I could like, I fucking knew and it has proven to be true. Or like thus far it's worked out really well, but like. It was quite literally love at first sight. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah. (laughs) It's kind of funny. We like, so I had gotten a sandwich and I was about, like, we had chit-chatted and I was going to leave and she was like, actually, you know, I like, it it, it, like took her like 90 seconds to be like, do you want to go to dinner? (laughs) And I'm I'm a jerk and a tease. And so I'm like watching this person struggle through asking me out, but I'm like so vastly enamored by the like attempt and they're working through it and like, yeah like we ended up i was like yes we can go but i'm like in sweatpants like about to go like smoke a joint and play video games with my friend i got a sandwich in my hand like (laughs) i was like i'm actually in an undershirt and i can't go to that restaurant like in my sweatpants or something i was like i actually live around the corner if you're cool with it like we can go to my place for a minute and like i can change clothes like i promise i'm not gonna kidnap you (laughs) it was just it was just silly and we like went we had a glass of wine i changed clothes we went to dinner and like we're still together three years later that's uh that's like something out of a movie yeah very fortunate it's amazing she's great i feel like and this isn't my personal feeling at all but for somebody who might be listening to this just to think the connection and the love you might have for that one person you know why do you feel the need to be with other people yeah, I I guess it's it's who I am. It's who we are. It's not like, it's not that they aren't enough. It's not that, in some ways, it's that no one is enough. Like, no one could encompass all of my affection and all of my attention and all of my care. You know, and there, there's different ways that I engage with other people, right? Like my, you know, you going on a first date with someone versus a partner, you know, I've known and been with since I was... 19 or known and maintained a relationship with since I was 19 you know it's not that my current partner isn't giving me something but they could never give me what that person I could never give them like what that person and I have and so yeah I don't know if that answers the question um very well but like it's not that I'm searching for something else but this is yeah yeah that was eloquently said so you get into a relationship it's 2019 you're in Indiana, beginning of 2020, or March of 2020, pandemic time. You move back to New York. Yeah. Um, you probably get an amazing deal on housing. <laughs> pa- the pandemic was different. Obviously, we couldn't meet other people. So what what did that do for your love life yeah. and your relationship? It's a, it's a good question. I mean, that in that time, right, we were certainly a polyamorous but monogamous relationship. And it's kind of funny, like the little bit of stress that created for us, because it's like, we're pretty, it, I don't know, like adventurous. I don't know, however you want to say it, like we have really great, interesting sex. And like, it's just kind of funny for us to look at each other after whatever, it's like five months in and you're just like, dude, I don't even know what we could come up with at this point. Like, it's like, it's not that you're not enough. It's just like, dude, I've eaten chocolate ice cream every fucking way I can think of eating chocolate ice cream. And I really fucking want vanilla. <laughs> like, like, that's, I don't know. That's how we talk about it. Like, uh, my partner will say, like, her favorite dish is tuna ceviche. It's their absolute favorite thing in the world. And nine days out of 10, if you ask her, she wants tuna ceviche. 
But if she's forced to eat tuna ceviche on that 10th day, she will fucking hate it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of how we, that's how we talk about it. And so during that time, were you forming any other connections with people? Or was it up until like the world kind of opened up a little bit that you were like, all right, time, time to get out there. Yeah. um, You know, definitely stated like I tried to meet some people, but like first date video call, I'm not a big fan of. And like, I was on Zoom for work all the time. So like hopping on like a Zoom date was just like, I really struggled, you know, without that, the body language, seeing someone be, you know, I kept in touch with the people, you know, whom I had, I'd been in love with for a long time. So in that way, like, still had, again, like, I didn't really need to meet anyone or like, I wasn't looking to add anything to my life. So there was actually one, I, I ended up meeting someone in our building and this was something we found out, like, uh, my partner with whom I live and I, like, like, was a boundary we just didn't know about. Was that, like, same building someone either of us is sleeping with is just a bad idea. Like, it's too close. It's, like, bumping into people in the mail room. It, like, you, like, smell like my girlfriend, dude. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it just, it, it raised flags that we were, like, eh, I don't really want to deal with this anymore. And so, like, that was a boundary we arrived at together. Just, like, trying something out that was, like, you know what? This doesn't feel good for anybody yeah and that's you're basically segueing into my next few questions generally is like how do you maintain a polyamorous ethically non-monogamous relationship what are your personal boundaries how do you guys communicate how can how do you do this so successfully yeah i mean everything comes down to like communication mutual respect and like really taking the time to listen and consider your partner's perspective opinion feelings and i guess yours as well and being able like you are 100 percent responsible for communicating what you want and need and if your partner fails to do something because you didn't communicate a need like you know that is on you in a way but how do we do it yeah it we started out with more of like a, a hierarchical structure so my partner with uh, that i live with where there was like primary and then there were just like there were other people we dated um, and there was like a very clear level of primacy. Over time, I think we've migrated to what is called like a more like kitchen table or a more like flat structure where like different relationships, it's not so much that one person takes primacy or like takes like it, it, advantage is the wrong word, but like it's not that w- there's one person and there's everyone else, but more. I think about like levels of commitment and levels of connection in that, like the partner I live with, like we've made long-term commitments to each other. We have, you know, a tremendous relationship in our own right. And that relationship is just so much deeper. Yeah. And I guess maybe specifically some like rules or things that we've, we've come to like one, just being very explicit and communicative, like, and uh, like before the fact, like, Hey, I'm going to meet up with this person on Friday. Like I'm thinking that we're, potentially going to have sex like I'm taking like this is the relationship like this is who it is offering to each party like do you want to talk to this person like is it important to you to know the person I live with before you go on a date with me is it like extending that respect to people that like hey this is the situation you're getting into as it relates to like my partner and I specifically like wanting to know like if you hooked up like it's not a jealousy thing, but like, yo, if you hook up with someone, I just want to know. Mm-hmm. Having it not be a secret or like something to be hidden makes it a lot easier for us to not feel jealous because it's not like they don't tell me about some woman they're with because they're so much better than me that it would like it, 
oh, they have to leave me if they tell me. It's like, no, we talk about it because it's fun and this is our life we share. Um, so like, that's a big part of it. Other two other big things I would touch on, like one, just like always being safe. Like I'm not just responsible to my own sexual health, but to like the people with whom I share these bonds. So like mutual respect for human beings. So like that's a huge one. Um, and then something that we found for us, like if you say you're going to be home at a time, just doing that, like mm. just that little, or like if you're going to be late, like, hey, dude, I'm going to be 15 minutes late. Not that we need to know where someone is, but like, hey, if you said you were going to go out with someone till like midnight, like at least let me know, like you're having a really wonderful time and it's going to extend. And like, I'm actually like, I really want to stay out just so like we live together. Like, dude, if you're out at 1 a.m. in New York City, I at least want to know, like, you mean to be where you are, mm-hmm. things like that. Do you feel, do you ever feel jealousy? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a human emotion. In in what way? <laughs> Candidly, like, I'm not the most jealous person. I'm a very, but like, it, I think it's important to say that like, it happens to everyone. Um, and it happens to me. And often it's when I feel like, yeah, that feeling of like, my partner hiding something because it's better. Mm. If it's great, I want to know, like, I want to know about it. Like, I don't know, that feeling of, like, being matronistically or patronistically, like, patted on the head and, like, you don't need to know about this. It would crush you, like, Mm. kind of thing. Like, that makes me feel, like, insecure. And this is a big thing, right? Like, when we feel jealous towards each other, the question we try and ask is, like, well, what's this jealousy, like, protecting? Like, what's the insecurity that this is, like? seeking to protect and for me yeah like that insecurity of like not being enough in a relationship um not being good enough or not being whatever enough um is like something that my jealousy picks on I think that's so interesting you say that because you're you're you said earlier that like nobody would be enough for you yeah you know emotions aren't rational no (laughs) (laughs) like I don't know man it's um it's something that comes up yeah. So currently, how many partners do you have? Okay, that's a good question. Um, how are we defining partner? You tell me. So if I were to say like romantic, um, like people that I, I have love for, I'm in love with, I guess it would be five people. Two of those are like very long term, like connections that, that I've had. So there are like three people I'm dating right now that um, one I live with, and then there's a couple um that we both date and yeah there's like an abarada like between us I don't know like it's been it's been really nice so like as a couple date and get to know someone else so it's it's you the the partner you live with this Mm. couple that you date so that's three yeah and then there are two people that I would consider myself like actively in love with um Mm -hmm. who don't live in New York but like as I joke about long distance relationships but (laughs) um yeah, who like I maintain a consistent like communication and, and check in with and yeah. So you're you're defining partner as a romantic thing. Like somebody you're in love with. Yeah, I I, I think for me, like boyfriend, girlfriend falls apart a little bit. I though to me, partner is like a more serious way to consider like boyfriend, girlfriend kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um so I would could say there are like there are other people I'm dating and each of us that I that I just enumerated are also dating uh on their own or together in some combination. But um, yeah, those are the people I'd consider myself like in love with. And then sexually, do you like, what does that look like for you? (laughs) 
I have a very rich sex life. I don't know. I think there are the people I, I just mentioned who I, at least the people I see regular, you know, can see I, I, you know, have sex with regularly or some form of sex with regularly. Candidly, since engaging in like non-monogamy and polyamory, I actually have, this is kind of fun, but, or like interesting, but like less necessarily penetrative sex, but like more sexual interactions. Hmm. And I find some of that is like, I think I know more what I'm looking for and like just just fucking somebody is like it's not a goal you know what I mean so Mm -hmm. you're not like trying to get somewhere so if you like do something with someone and like that's as far as it went and it felt nice like it's a lot easier for me to walk away now and not feel again like I'm on that escalator of like oh like whatever like you suck my dick it's time to fuck like or like Mm -hmm. oh we made out therefore like we need to fuck or like I don't know I feel less pressure in that regard but I I do actively like engage in sex with like a lot a pretty significant group of people and do you feel like you're actively dating? Yeah. Yeah, I had a first date and a second date this weekend, which was a bit much for me, but like was really fun and I don't know. It was actually kind of funny. I had a second date with someone and we like came back to the apartment and there was a miscommunication between my partner and I who I live with. And so we like walked in and she was here and I thought she had left and she thought I was going to call when we were close and there was this like you're here, you're here. Who's that? Well, this is like, Oh yeah. And it was like, it ended up, you know, we like talked for a couple of minutes, like we made introductions and we sat down and had dinner and it was really nice. Um, but like that was a second date that like potentially could have gone really poorly, but just kind of by, I don't know, talking, knowing each other well enough. It was like, you didn't respond to my calls. Like I was in a cab my phone silenced the thing. Like, mm. I don't know. A lot of our fights are just miscommunications. So, like, once you find that out, I don't know. So, is that a boundary? Like, you guys can't be in the apartment at the same time? No, definitely not. Um, But, like, a heads up, I'm 10 minutes away is very appreciated. So, where where do they go (laughs) if you are coming home? Yeah, so, um, we're both pan and pretty much exclusively date within the queer community or most of the time. Like, in some ways, like, this is a really good conversation to have and like the questions you ask are really good for like a podcast and for for other people but doing it on every first date is just like I don't want to fucking explain my entire life every time I meet so like for instance on you know on Friday like the person I was on a date with knew about my partner is also poly is also would consider themselves bi so like and like I've told them about my partner I live with you know we talked about it extensively so like we had already talked about would you be open to meeting this person sometime so the fact that it happened sooner than we had expected or like in kind of a like oh I didn't think you were here than expected kind of thing like it's not that big of a hill to get over or like an obstacle to get over in a way so how do you find people in that community um I have a really tight filter most of the time on like dating apps mm-hmm. and then like candidly trying to find more community of people who are approaching relationships in a similar way you know, you go on a date with someone and they're cool and then you meet their partner and it's like, oh, that's fun. They like invite you over for a drink sometime. They're having people over like, you know, how you meet people in the city. Like you can meet one person. You can sometimes meet a whole friend group. And yeah. What dating apps do you use for people who might be interested? So I actually have a lot of luck on Tinder. And when I say luck, like I try not to swipe right that often. And when I do, like I try and be really choosy of who I meet up with Mm -hmm. and just you know, we, time is the resource, right? It's like the finite resource. So like, 
bad dates are funny, but like, you know, I field is a really good one. If you are trying to more explicitly like field, I feel like it's more comfortable and in some ways safer for people to put sexual preferences out there. It's like a more accepted practice. I feel like candidly as well. Like if you're a woman, like I see all the dudes profiles on Tinder, like they're terrible. Like I would, someone needs to start that consultancy business. Like it's got to stop. I'll do it. I'll do it. No more bass. <laughs> Please. <laughs> put that shirt. Like, no more bass, no more guns. Thank you. <laughs> um more crop tops please but it feels good yeah like those are pretty much the two that i use i met a, some really nice people on hinge but hinge is pretty relationship oriented and clearly i engage in relationships but like i don't know i've had a lot of dates from hinge where like on the first date someone's like so how do you feel about marriage I'm like i feel like we shouldn't be talking about it right now i don't know what about you <laughs> <laughs> like how do you feel about marriage that is a good question um so i not a big fan of traditional like marriage. Um, candidly, in a lot of ways, I would consider myself married. So like the partner that I live with, like we consider ourselves life partners. And, and what that means to me is like, no matter kind of the different evolutions our relationship may go through kind of committing that we will always be in each other's lives. So I don't know, maybe that, like, we kind of think of that as marriage, but like, I don't know, big thing, white dress, why white? Like, um, is there an interest in kids? I don't really want kids sometimes, but like, I don't know. I don't feel like the strong desire to like pass on my seed. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Do you think that, uh, or do you know people who are in like polyamorous relationships who have children or is it less likely? Um, yeah, actually the couple, um, we have been dating for a while, have a, an eight year or yeah, have an eight year old child and they're wonderful. And honestly, I thought it was going to be really weird. And I spent a lot of my dating life. Like if someone had kids on a dating app, I'd like swipe left and like, no disrespect to people. I was just, I don't know. I was a fuck boy. And like, I wasn't going to be good for someone's kid, but now like at least having a relationship that fits better. And uh, I think knowing more who I want to be around, like meeting this couple's child was actually like really, really positive and really felt really wonderful. Um, so that was kind of a unique change recently. Yeah, cool. Very interesting. Um, do you have a type? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason I say like, I think, yeah, I've been, I have been and continue to be attracted to like very different types of people, both across like the gender spectrum, like body type, like background. Um, I, I don't really think I have much of a type. So what attracts you to someone then? It's a good question. I mean, yeah, there's like physical attraction. Physical attraction is is influenced in a lot of other ways. But like meeting someone who is really, really enriching or like really unique, meeting someone who feels like a whole person and shines on their own and like in some ways like you can appreciate not in their relation to you, but just as they are as a human. And, you know, like for I would say the, the people I've fallen in love with, like I have both you know, respect and admiration for who they are as individuals. And that connection is sort of built over time. That was a bad answer to your question. I'm sorry. You want nothing. You want like a direct pithy answer. I apologize. No, I mean, if that's not, <laughs> if that's the answer, that's the answer there. I'm not trying to get anything yeah. specific out of you. It's like, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. And I think that's a valid answer when it's like, not that somebody needs to have a type, but there are clearly things that attract you to someone right like even even when you're swiping on a dating app like what makes you swipe right you Mm -hmm. know yeah and I mean like the people I've dated right like have been kind of ambitious kind of type a like 
very often like I guess intellectual in, in different ways or in their own ways. Um, definitely on like if I'm swiping on Tinder, it's just like are people's profiles funny? Are their pictures really good? Like get through a lot of profiles very quickly on that on that filter. Right. Yeah. Is someone giving me a demand in their in their bio telling me what to do? <laughs> like that's an immediate left. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, so I wrap up every episode and I guess before we wrap up do you think that there's anything that we missed or that you wanted to touch on that we didn't touch on um I don't know I nothing comes nothing comes to the mind in my mind at the moment I feel like I've just been rambling for like an hour I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> no I've, I appreciate you coming on yeah I mean maybe the biggest thing I would talk about or like to touch on like it's all about for me like it's all about you in in that like finding the relationship that works for you that is like going to help you be healthy and successful and happy and like I don't know we live a pretty unique or like I guess a little bit atypical relationship style but like it's what makes us happy you know and it what makes us feel respected and and loved in a relationship I love that and I think that more people I mean a lot of my listeners are kind of in their 20s are just figuring out you know what works for them and their ways too and this hopefully this episode is some uh indication that life doesn't have to be the relationship escalator (laughs) yeah i don't think so i don't i definitely don't think so so in that case i end every single uh, episode with something called shots it's rapid fire this or that questions okay so are you ready to do some shots yeah let's fucking do it (laughs) okay early bird or night owl uh early bird work hard or play hard both iphone or android iphone dine out or delivery dine out laundry or dishes dishes tiktok or instagram tiktok money or fame money coke or pepsi coke spicy or mild very spicy what is your favorite season summer coffee date or drinks date Ooh, drinks date what would you rate yourself out of 10 eight and a half on what (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what is your drink of choice uh mezcal old-fashioned what's your favorite song at the moment oh shit i was just looking at it huh viene de mi de uh las yegros what is your favorite dating app uh tinder and if you had a boat what would you name it uh, hms corkscrew i don't know why it was the first thing that came to mind <laughs> <laughs> okay well thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this goodness Uh, i really really appreciate it for you taking your time and doing this with me last minute yeah no worries thanks for asking uh i hope this helps some people with something somewhere like your podcast is fantastic you're great thank you for doing this thank you so much to our guests for talking with me today if you're interested in matching with them visit the link in bio on Instagram at drinks.first. Or if you don't have an Instagram, email us drinksfirstpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us on all of our socials for the latest updates, guest information, events, and other fun content. If you like this episode, please remember to rate, share, review on your podcast app. That helps us grow the most. I'm your host, Ariana Nathani. You can find me on Instagram at ariana.nathani and on TikTok at ariana.nathani. Be sure to check back next Tuesday for a new episode.